0: Welcome to the Behaviour Speak Podcast. Now, here's your host, Ben Ryman.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Behaviour Speak Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben Ryman. Uh, Today in the studio, for the first time, for me anyway, I've got uh, multiple guests, which is exciting. Uh, We're not really in the studio because they're all in different places around the world, but um, we've got uh, Tina Long, Monica Peters, and Mary Penrace Edmondson. Welcome to the show, folks
2: hello hello thank you
1: yeah exciting uh so before we get started i'll just want to do a quick uh, uh, acknowledgement of uh, uh that i'm producing this podcast on the lands of the chlam and homoko klehus and Comox first nations uh who were one nation before uh settlers came in and separated everybody into reserves uh T'xana island which i live on named after a uh spanish conqueror who never actually came here he just sailed by and mm-hmm. someone decided to name the island after him it's actually called sayayin in the Klaman language Anyway, we'll get right to her because um uh th- this podcast is uh is uh, uh uh across the continent um guests here and and <laughs> and monica has been kind enough to uh, share her time in atlantic standard time and a lot of folks around the world know that there is an atlantic standard time you know it only it only affects about uh, about a million a million and a half people in, in in Canada and the rest of the world doesn't really doesn't really know about it but uh essentially uh Monica's about 4 hours ahead of me and so we're pushing we're already pushing 8:30 um uh, her time and and I really appreciate Monica for staying awake and, and 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 being a part of this conversation as as I do everybody um so maybe the first thing we can do and we can kind of go uh uh, clockwise, based on my screen, so Mary, then Tina, then Monica. Um, give us maybe just a little bit of kind of an origin story of kind of how you got into the the field of ABA, um, and uh, and 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 eventually, and we'll we'll get to sort of the, the the crux of of the conversation after that, as far as how you how you folks kind of started using the matrix and those sorts of things. So, Mary, if you want to go. All
3: right. How did? Oh boy, that was a. Um. I was new to British Columbia when I came here from Ontario, and I was a child and youth worker, and I worked with um, a lot of challenging behavior, but um, not specific to autism or or intellectual disabilities. And Mm. I had come out and tried to find some work, and I really couldn't find work in my field without there being some additional education being taken, Mm. even though Mm. I thought it would cross over, but, you know, it was in the same you know, Canada, but it was some difference in education. Mm
2: -hmm. And
3: so I started, uh, I picked up some work, casual work in group homes, and um, it was um, some free guys that I remember so well, because it was them who helped guide my path in Mm -hmm. terms of doing more group home work. But I worked with them Mm -hmm. casually, and eventually went to a local agency, and I was full time and did that for several years, and moved on to another agency and did You know, I was a manager, managing multiple homes, all with um, challenging behavior. Mm. And it got to the point where I wanted to go back to school and I couldn't go back to school with, you know, the current place I was working at because they just didn't support those kind of things. And Mm. I quit and took on a casual job as a BI with another agency that did strictly behavior be- they called it then behavior treatment homes but mm. it was group homes right um and i quickly was left bi and was team leader and then went back got my bachelor's and applied behavior analysis at cap mm. and finished that and did my master's and yeah that's how i began cool the uh, group homes yep
1: yeah you and i have a similar story for sure i i i i, we, yeah. I, also, I also came from back east I also was working in in with youth at risk with the John Howard Society. Uh, came yeah. over here, couldn't find work, couldn't didn't have the right training, and also kind of moved over to sort of a disability realm and and, and, mm-hmm. and quite a similar story all the way through. So yeah, I, I, it it it's a good one, it's a common one, but uh, you know, uh, and for folks that maybe don't know the BI term, that's sort of uh, the 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 British Columbia lingo, behavior interventionist, or which you folks uh, around the world probably call RBTs now. Yeah, but yeah, right on. How about you,
0: Tina? Um, so I came to ABA by way of teaching. I was born a teacher, I think. Nice. I used to line up my stuffed animals um to be my students and would like recruit daycare kids to play school with me. <laughs> um and so I did my undergrad in health education with a minor in special education. And in my state, I could teach, um, get a provisional license. And so I did that like right out of undergrad. I didn't have to do student teaching, which was really bad. And I failed. And so I was, I did a couple, I was like a director of a learning center. Um, but I, one time in my undergrad experience, I was an instructional assistant for like nine weeks in an ABA classroom in Fairfax County, which is a pretty big county. And they were flying out the folks from California, Ronneyef and John McCacken to build up an ABA program, so I got like some intense ABA instruction, and I loved the individualization of it, the database decision making, um, that we start learners where they are and move at their pace. Um, so I came into ABA really just as my teaching paradigm, mm. instructional design, all of that. Uh, so when I failed at teaching I public school teaching, I tried a, a couple other things in my like you know 23 years of life. Um, and started doing in-home ABA. And I liked it. So I went back and did my master's and got certified um, and then quickly moved out of that whole tiered model. Mm. Um, It's not my jam at all. Mm. then I did some behavior specialist in schools across the grades and then started doing consultation under our state waiver, doing group homes and Mm. uh, family homes and things like that. So I really love that consultation model. Um, And so... Now, I do a lot of executive function coaching. Um, just taught a growth mindset class to some fourth graders. Right so, really, really cool. teaching teaching is um, what I do. And then behavior analysis is the paradigm that I choose to do it under.
1: Nice, nice. Teaching is definitely your jam. I can feel it. Uh, and Monica, uh, last but surely not least, Monica's uh, my second returnee. For guests on the podcast uh uh which is exciting and monica monica's episode episode 20 was kind of around group homes and, and kind of the act matrix and today's episode is going to be a lot about uh the act matrix um uh her episode your episode is uh is i believe it's it's either my third or fourth most downloaded episode of all of them um, uh, um and that that not only speaks to um you know uh your knowledge and expertise and 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 great way of sort of getting information across but it also speaks to i think there's a huge amount of interest in 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 the matrix and there's a huge amount of interest in group homes um and and really talking about group homes and i've really found that sort of throughout the the the, the podcast and 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 and, and, and so I've appreciated you being my group home guinea pig so Monica, you want to tell, tell 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 your story again. We'll see if it's any different for episode twenty. I'll, I'll go compare notes <laughs> later.
4: You know, it might be the third or fourth fourth most downloaded episode. I have a really big family. So all the people that listen to that episode, it's probably like half or three quarters of my family. Uh... So <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I suppose it's the same story as last time I, hmm. I was I'm originally from Montreal and um I used to volunteer. With this uh, swimming, art, and gym group called Aqua Kids, and there was a little little boy there, and he uh, he was nonverbal, and I didn't have much experience with folks with autism at the time. And mm. his mom was like, "Hey, do you want to come see an a ABA session?" So I did, and I got hooked, and mm. I started um, with a local company there, and I was doing in-home and daycare ABA and in-home and daycare, mm. and then eventually moved to the clinic. Um, And then I went down to Florida for a year and did similar, not in clinic, but in homes and schools. And then I moved out to Nova Scotia and kind of transitioned from working with children
1: to adults, which Mm. is
4: where I am now.
1: Right on. Um, And so just 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 for some dating, when were you in Montreal doing ABA?
2: Oh, gosh. Um,
3: Give
1: or take.
4: (laughs) So I would say from 2007 hmm. until 2016.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So you definitely probably have your finger on the pulse of of the Quebec ABA, which is, you know, maybe not the topic for today, but I'm just sort of curious because I know things are kind of different in Quebec when it comes to ABA. You know, there's not, there's not any sort of ABA programs. There's no training programs that I know of. Um uh you know, I, I did have Mark Lanavaz on on a while back, and he's a you know, obviously a BCPAD that's doing work, but he doesn't even have an ABA program himself as a PhD there. Um, um is 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 it what's it like kind of working in a major city? It's probably one of the you know the second or third biggest city, probably second biggest city in the country with no sort of ABA kind of training or any any kind of any kind of, you know, I guess they have they do have QC ABA now. Uh, but you know, no sort of a different kind of culture with no no sort of education center in there. Um, is, is it is it a different? And, and not to mention, it's you know, obviously the, the the dual language piece. Is it uh, is it a completely different game than other places you've been? I'm curious. Never talked to anyone that worked up there.
4: It is a different game, especially when I compare Montreal to Florida to Nova Scotia. Very mm. different. All three um, being down in the states everyone knew who BCBAs were, you you know, apply for up to 40 hours a week of ABA up until the age of 19 or 21 even, or, or what have you. Um, in Montreal, it was definitely different. Obviously the pay scale was really low. Mm -hmm. Um, we were called rehab assistants at the time, Mm -hmm. um, with one of the companies I was an ABA therapist. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I kind of chose to move out of Quebec around the time that I did get certified or within a few months, Mm -hmm. just because of those limiting opportunities. I think now there are there's many more BCBAs and I think there are more opportunities not uh, I, I believe I still don't mm. think BCBAs are recognized like as as a profession um, right. Right. in in Montreal mm. I could be wrong but uh yeah it was it definitely very different and then moving to Nova Scotia where you know we're very new field uh, but everyone's English and you know the language factor is
1: also mm-hmm. um Okay. And of course, Nova Scotia, and we talked about this in episode twenty, so we won't get into it again. But Nova Scotia has that interesting model of, of sort of, of, of using uh, the 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 pivotal response training sort of, sort of throughout the province as sort of the, the you know, it's very interesting to sort of have a province wide approach to sort of uh, working working with kids with autism, um, and and interesting like an NDBI and not sort of some other method that you'd sort of normally expect. So it's interesting how from province to province, it's so different in, in this country. Uh, certainly, you know, BC and Ontario or you know, are, you know, kind of have the the, the big conglomerate of uh, of folks, but then you get into the prairies and it's really bizarre, you know, like 10, B, 10 BCBAs in Saskatchewan or something where, strangely enough, Saskatchewan was the place where, you know, the the very first published ABA study uh, that was the, that was the setting was the Saskatchewan hospital, um, with the, 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 the Ted Allium study. Um, uh, and so it's just, it's interesting how sort of the, the history of ABA in Canada is quite bizarre and there's really no connection. You can, you can, you can't really connect dots too well here as far as sort of how things work. And I guess that's what happens when you sort of try to take a a field of primarily American and, 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 and try to sort of generalize it to other, other, other countries. Um, so today we're going to be talking a lot about the act matrix, um, uh, which is which is uh, you know a thing that a lot of people are into these days, um, 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 and and for different reasons. And you know, in and of itself, the act matrix is you know it, you know, and 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 I and I'm, and I know I'm simplifying this, but it was essentially a, a you know. A piece of paper with a a, a cross on it um and uh and uh, and essentially a visual support to sort of guide a conversation um um but it sounds a whole lot more complex i think in some ways uh i think in part because act in itself is quite complex with the hexaflex and all the crazy jargon and terms that they have in there and and uh and you know ACT training which is sort of the 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 behavior analyst sort of, uh, you know, version of acceptance and commitment theory th- therapy, which has been around for ages um, in in kind of more of the psychologist kind of counseling sort of realm, um, although originated by behavior analysts, uh, Steve Hayes and others back in the day, it really kind of took off with sort of the the therapy um, um, you know counseling kind of of realm and not so much ABA. So then ACT started ACT training kind of started you know, becoming yeah. more mainstream and, and more popular, but still a lot of work, a lot of crazy kind of trainings, act boot camps and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and in-depth, you know, courses and, and, you know, and, and, just a lot, a lot of stuff that makes it, you know, it sounds really cool, but it's also can be really overwhelming. And then, and then you've got this act matrix thing, which seems to be just a lot more, you know, uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, inviting in, in some ways. It, like it it seems like the vibe I kind of get is that, you know, there's there's a lot more folks that could use a matrix that wouldn't have any clue what they're doing in sort of regular old act. And that seems to be okay. Um so maybe folks can maybe just start by someone, uh, Tina, it seems like you're kind of uh um uh, you know we're sort of the first user of the matrix of, of the three of you and and, and these folks have kind of kind of done so you, you've done some mentorship with with uh, with Mary and, and Monica. And so maybe you can just maybe give us a bit of a, an origin of kind of. Where the matrix came from and and sort of how it's kind of foundations are connected to sort of acceptance and commitment therapy, and, but yet also how it and, and folks, other folks, feel free to jump in, but, you know, how, how it kind of. Isn't act. You know, if, if that's the right way to phrase it. <laughs> uh,
0: so the ACT Matrix was created by Dr. Kevin Polk when he was working at the Veteran Affairs Hospital. He was the, the chief of psychology or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, And it originally started as a trauma word sort to give veterans who are experiencing PTSD a different way to interact with their trauma memories. Hmm. Um, And if you look in the forward, I think of the essential guide to the act matrix, the blue book, um, that's not right. I'm sorry. The essential guide is the beige one, the blue Hmm. one. If you look in the front of that, Kelly Wilson writes a forward of when Kevin Polk went and showed it to him and some grad students at this retreat, he would do at his house. And then Kelly Wilson convinced him to go to um, ACBS or one of the conferences and show it. Uh, And Kevin was actually the first peer-reviewed ACT trainer, I believe. Um, And it actually did start as acceptance and commitment training. Okay. Originally. Oh, originally. Originally, it was acceptance and commitment Ah, training.
2: Very good.
0: Steve Hayes um, came up with the term functional contextualism to give a more attractive term to Skinner's radical behaviorism because Mm. it had lost its luster really. Mm. Mm. Um, And was, you know, people were uh, relating it to some aversive things. So functional contextualism is what Steve Hayes came up with, but it originally started as acceptance and commitment training. But the very first book that was written about it, they tacked on for anxiety, maybe depression too, but it Mm. was never really intended to be a, treatment for Mm. you know clinically significant but it was about psychological flexibility and Mm. promoting psychological flexibility but um putting words like anxiety and depression on books might be attractive to certain professions and Mm. then maybe the word therapy gets tacked on and things like that so kevin created it um, and it started out i think it was originally called the eye view And then he was at a conference and showing it and somebody um, who was like a Buddhist monk said, you know, that means something sexy on it. And the matrix had just come out and he said, Keanu Reeves is sexy. And so it was called the matrix. Um, And then the pro-social matrix showed up on the way to, you know, something else. Um, But Kevin spent like 17,000 hours in the RFP literature trying to really simplify it, which is what it does. And the matrix makes it accessible Um, So it makes ACT accessible. Monica and I have been talking more about what you need to know about ACT versus what you need to show about psychological flexibility. So Mm. as a practitioner, I maybe need to know some of the science behind acceptance and commitment training. But when I'm attempting to promote psychological flexibility in the folks who I'm working with or in myself, there's things I need to show them and the matrix gives me the show part of um, so I don't need to tell them what I know, just like functional communication training. I don't need to teach a three-year-old about a man and an EO and an MO and that the reinforcer matches the learner response and all that stuff. My three-year-old mm-hmm. doesn't need to know that. Mm-hmm. I need to arrange an environment so that functional communication comes out and then I might reinforce it. And it's the same thing with promoting psychological flexibility. The folks I'm working with don't need to know what values and diffusion are, but I need to arrange the environment so that perhaps they're engaging in some psychological flexibility and get to notice the consequences of their own behaviors.
1: And how, how long has it been around? Like when, when, when like when, when was that first veteran oh. experience approximately? Like, I wish yeah. I could tell you, I think
0: early 2000,
1: early 2000s. Okay.
0: And then Kevin and Phil, so Phil Tonali is a school psychologist mm. who met Kevin at a con, you know, conference presentation or yeah. something. Now they work together. They are matrix talk, Kevin and Phil, um, 2009 I think is when they really started working on it even more I think around 2009 but I think early 2000s is when um that I view the two cross lines came out
1: right and so have all you folks done sort of so first off the 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 whole acceptance agreement training coming first is new to me that that's uh because because there's because there's quite a bit of uh rhetoric in our field right now about how you know, act isn't should maybe isn't in our scope, or or act isn't even ABA, or um, you know all these sorts of things. And and that and that you know and that and that and some of the rhetoric I've heard is that you know act acceptance of commitment training is acceptance of commitment therapy that's been dumbed down in some way. Um, um, but yet, with with the with the caveat that it was, but it was a behavior analyst that that, that came up with in the first place. Um, so this makes more sense to me. And it's interesting that sort of the, the, that conversation about sort of it being out of our scope and all those sorts of things, when in fact, originally it was out of their scope. <laughs> but 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 I, I'm wondering, and, and maybe part of the reason is because uh, of some of the things you said, but any idea why sort of acceptance commitment training, you know, didn't seem to catch on for behavior analysts until kind of more recently, or maybe I'm just, I was just out of the loop until then.
2: I don't,
0: I don't know. I, I found it shortly after finishing my master's um, Mm -hmm. and I've never really liked to be told what to do. And so when I found it, I knew that it's what would work for right. private events and for um things that make our life harder. And I I never really liked traditional cognitive behavior therapy. Um mm. I don't like challenging my thoughts. I don't like labeling things helpful, unhelpful. I never found that to be helpful. And I knew that there was a behavior analytic way that we could mm. um talk about private events, talk about behaviors in response to private events, include private events in our analysis of behavior things like that. Mm. So when I found ACT, I was like, this is it. Um, and I just started chasing it and, you know, even professors who I respected really put it down. Um, but I just kept chasing it and I don't really, yeah, I don't like to be told what to do. So nobody's ever actually to me said, um, act as in behavior analytic and you can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I've never had to respond to that. And I don't, cause the more times I send, uh, chasing trolls who want to tell me what I can't do the less time I get to do the things that I want to do that make my life
1: better so. there were there i, there were, I think I, the, that that statement was based on i think that was that article that came out not too long ago from uh from the autism partnership foundation foundation mm-hmm. folks um they've had a couple so they had they had the one that compared kind of you know essentially rft versus dtt but then they had another one that talked about sort of um um, and it was the RFT DDT was a, a preference one. So do, who do 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 folks prefer RFT over DDT or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was another one I thought around sort of um, whether acceptance and commitment therapy is actually you know either in our scope or is actually ABA. Um, um, so and, if and- we
0: if we equate it to like math, like math is not behavior analytic. Math is content, right? Yeah. And we can teach math in a behavior analytic way, Mm -hmm. or we could teach it in a non-behavior analytic way. Mm -hmm. Psychological flexibility is simply a set of skills Mm -hmm. that lead to behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So there are many people, behavior analysts included, who I have observed,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. and who are putting on CU events and and doing things in very non-behavior analytic ways. Mm -hmm. So it's, for me, not an argument between is act behavior analytic or not. I mean, the, the underpinnings mm-hmm. of psychological flexibility, the way that Steve mm-hmm. Hayes um, developed it and with relational frame theory mm-hmm. are behavior analytic, but it can be applied in very non-behavior analytic ways. Just like mm-hmm. we can teach math, reading Spanish, um, executive functions, skills, all of those things in non-behavior analytic ways.
2: Mm-hmm. And the matrix mm-hmm. keeps
0: it um, behavior analytic because we're teaching people to be their own functional contextualists
3: we we get stuck like we we as a field get stuck especially when it comes to things that you know are oh you know that might that that's too mentalistic or i cannot see you know uses mind and thoughts and feelings and and you know that's you know that that's those private events and we can't Mm. see them we can't measure them so therefore we can't teach anything around them and i think that's where we get stuck or at least I know for myself, I was not really interested in that, right? I was like, Oh no, no, no. Like, I, uh, you know, I, we can't see it. We can't see it. It's a lot of mentalism mm-hmm. without actually even spending time to sit down and, and like go through it or learn anything about it. And I've attended a few events and it, you know, it all, it all depends on the event you go to, whether or not you grasp the information being shared. Um, but, you know, actually it was Monica's podcast <laughs> that I was like, hey, wait a minute, this sounds interesting. Maybe I should give this kind of another go. Mm. And, um, but then I, but then my first step was to take, you know, Stipe's uh, act, act Immersion course. And it was long mm. and I was getting lost.
2: Mm. And I
3: think that's a piece is like, it, you can get lost in all that information. And it, and some of the training pieces are therapeutic. And so then our walls go up again because we're like, oh, no, this isn't, we must, it mm. must have, we must be able to fit within our skill set and it must yes. be within our our scope. And so then we just go, okay, me. I was going to give that a try, but no, I don't think that fits within my scope and I can get in trouble,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> right?
3: Without like what Keenan described, is like, it's how you teach it and how you apply something, not necessarily, okay, I have went to this course and 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 I've determined it's not behavior analytic. How we mm. teach is the behavior analytic piece. How mm-hmm. we apply things is the behavior analytic piece, mm-hmm. right? Not just a title.
1: Yeah, yeah. Monica, so how did you find the Matrix? I mean, you came from first off. You're you're already bouncing around the world um, um, in your career, going from place to place, and uh, and and I and I don't think you know the Matrix is something that. You know was probably being used a lot in Montreal or Nova scotia and you know maybe a little bit in Florida uh, maybe not though um since since sort of since since we did your your interview which seems like so long ago to me um but it was only you know a couple of years ago um 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 it it, it 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 in a lot of ways it, it, that in combination with the the a b a and adult populations Facebook page has really um sort of brought it to the point where Anyone I ask about sort of, you know, I'm struggling in group homes. What do we do? What do we do? Everyone's like Matrix, 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 Matrix. Everyone says <laughs> Matrix now, and um, and it just seems to be like an overwhelming kind of thing. But I I never heard of it before I I kind of met you, um, which makes me think maybe you had something to do with it. So um, <laughs> so how did you find the Matrix, and how did you kind of start figuring out that hey, you know, maybe this would work out well in these kind of in the, in these group homes and kind of context.
4: That's a great question. I, well, I had, i had kind of delved into a few ACT books, um, and, and not really found the, 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 the jazz with it. Like I was kind of, I I understood the premise of ACT mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, diffusion acceptance and self-contact context and whatnot. And I, it just wasn't, wasn't, um, hitting home. And then at some point during COVID, uh, Tina started a, uh, Zoom, a bi-weekly Zoom for, for like BCBAs or not working with adults and mm-hmm. I jumped on that ship any support that I could get working with this extremely challenging population and uh Tina found uh Dr. Polk and Phil and told me about this really cool thing um that called the act matrix and I was like yeah let's I want you know I'm a leech I like to to kind of sink my teeth into people that I respect and admire and want to follow mm-hmm. so um I I met Phil and Tina and um and Kevin and I started the matrix more for myself than for my clients. So mm-hmm. working in group homes was very hard. And I would leave not in tears, but very defeated and mm-hmm. like just not working, just looking at, you know, the 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 what I was doing every day and seeing the little product and little outcome that that was, you know, happening. With my work, I I started to practice the matrix on myself, and then Mm. I realized that this is a pretty cool tool, especially the pro-social matrix, which looks at groups and which is, you know, group homes and tricky staff Mm. and, you know, teams that perhaps don't always have a shared purpose or even a purpose, or you know, have different opinions and histories and um, stories. So, I once I kind of practiced it with myself then I started to to do it with the homes and caregivers and some clients and, and that's how and it's kind of snowballed from there
1: and so what what did you kind of notice kind of right away like I, I, I mean I think we all everyone knows kind of working with group home teams can be a really tough gig for a whole bunch of different reasons which we will not to get into right now but but you know often it's just sort of you know we've been doing this for a long time we've known this kid or, or guy for a long time and we know how he works we know how it goes we've had so many of you people come into our house and leave come and leave leave documents fill our file cabinet with 30 page behavior plans and go home um and and they've really sort of you know been punished in, in, in a lot of ways you know in terms of you know interacting with behavior consultant behavior um um so i hear so much about the matrix as being sort of this thing that um can somehow, it almost seems magic. It can almost somehow change all this stuff. So what's happening when you're sitting down with a team, um, you know, like that, like a, you know, a, a, a long-standing team who, you know, maybe that same home that you left in tears. Um, and now you're coming in with the matrix. And, and, and what, what does that look like? Because I think it sounds really nice to have this little one pager thing and 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 have everyone's minds go in a completely different direction, but it also seems (laughs) impossible.
0: You're magic. That's (laughs) it. It it is magic. We are witches. Yeah, and we spin or do wizards do magic? I don't know which one. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing that the thing that I noticed
4: the most when I started doing it for myself was I'm I'm a very angry person by nature. I I Hmm. have a sweet temper, (laughs) and when I get angry, it's it's hard to either not show it or to not shut down and I think when I started using the matrix just with myself so I'd go into a group and I would draw mm. it out for myself I wouldn't ask them the questions I would ask the questions and sort it out on my own and it helped me control my temper it helped mm. me realize that there is an alternative perhaps an incompatible behavior that I could be doing when all this stuff is thrown at me um I think that's kind of what i noticed right off the bat like immediately mm-hmm. when i started practicing it on my own with people with group home staff but just for me mm-hmm. and then once i got comfortable with it then i started showing it to the to the staff and and then i got to see you know staff teams like come up with these wonderful ideas and wonderful goals and mm-hmm. and you know from the perspective of the client you know keeping mm-hmm. it, it you know client centered and and um You know, that kind of reinforcement came a little bit later, but immediately it was just a a different way to manage my emotions and my feeling of avoidance.
1: So uh, that sounds like a key piece something I've heard a lot about, you know, uh, uh, ACT itself or, or ACT training is that, you know, folks are really encouraged to do things like go to a boot camp or whatever. Uh, because it, it's really or, or 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 read one of Russ Harris's self-help books because it's really good to sort of um um and i and I don't know my act names. These are just the ones I could throw in, throw off right. But it, but the suggestion that it's really good to sort of apply some of those t- uh, you know techniques and procedures or whatever or or methods to yourself first um and experience what that's like before you go in. Is that would would you all say that's sort of then um, a key piece of using the matrix is that you should be using it on yourself first before you're kind of mm-hmm. using it with a team. Is that how everyone does that? Are you a BCBA supervisor looking to streamline your practice? Or maybe you're working towards your BCBA and need to find the right supervisor. Homehouse offers tools that make supervision so much more enjoyable for both supervisor and supervisee. For supervisors, they offer easy meeting documentation, competency tracking monthly verification forms a built-in supervision curriculum and so much more for supervisees Whomhouse has a fieldwork tracker with built-in auditing monthly verification forms a curriculum quizzes and more if you're looking for a supervisor they even have a supervision marketplace where you can connect with BCbas until you find your perfect match kind of like professional dating for more information go to whomhouse.com forward slash speak or search homehouse on Google If you're planning on collecting continuing education credits for this episode, you'll need to enter the three secret words at www.cbiconsultants.com forward slash shop. The first secret word is Academy.
0: It's a bi-directional process. So Mm. you learn and promote your own psychological flexibility when you are showing it to yourself or showing it to somebody else because the simple act of just writing down exactly what somebody responds Mm -hmm. where they tell you to write it down is your own practice of psychological flexibility especially if you're doing it with somebody who's close to you or Mm -hmm. is a stakeholder so you know so you are promoting your own psychological flexibility while attempting to promote other people's psychological flexibility Mm -hmm. and it's you know like riding a bike um you've got to do it can't read about riding Mm -hmm. a bike can't do worksheets mm. about riding a bike um can't talk about riding a bike you just have to get on the bike and ride mm.
3: mm-hmm.
0: that's that's also a piece
3: that we typically don't share our own who's important to you when mm. we're working with with others we we tend to just ask that information from them and when you're doing the matrix you're you're actually you're, while you're actively doing this with them you're actively doing it with yourself and you're sharing you know, information that we probably didn't do before. And it's a new process, but that's part of, you know, flexing up is that you're, you know, you're actively participating in the matrix as you do it with another person.
1: What What do you mean by, so, I mean, a lot of folks will be familiar with this stuff, but I think some will, what do you mean by, by who's important to you? What, what, what are, what are the, what are essentially the, what is the process of the matrix? um uh question one and then someone else might want to jump in for part two i heard you mention pro social matrix so are there actually different matrices as well that that you could use or or so maybe the process first mary what's that look like
3: um (laughs) it was like a will answer this one (laughs)
1: Uh,
3: well it's you know it's, it's the four quadrants and at the top is you know is where we write down you know the five senses and mm. um so behavior this is we see smell touch taste all those things we do i always run out i like yeah, i forget the five i don't yeah. I'm, I'm like there's five sure. um and then at the bottom is where we write down mind so that's those thoughts and feelings that uh, you know pop up in in our head, like that mm. we're constantly chatting for ourselves
2: mm-hmm.
3: um and then you know on one side is uh, uh the where we write down our or we do our satisfaction um like behaviors it's, it's really hard to describe when we don't True. have the visual in front of us and then the other side is release but we start with the bottom um quadrant the bottom right hand side quadrant and we that's where we ask a question and the question the for, for the act matrix the question is who is important to you or what is important uh, okay. to you. Gotcha. And so when you're working your way you know clockwise Around the matrix is your your your. The first question is that the bottom right quadrant, and that is who who or what is important to you. Right, right, right. And then from there, the bottom left hand side is where we write down all those you know all that yucky stuff that pops Mm. up in there in our head. So in our mind, and then we move from there to the upper left, and that's where we write down you know our relief behaviors, the things we do to get away from the yucky stuff, Mm. and then. Next is we go back to the upper right hand quadrant and we write down our satisfaction behaviors. So the things we do to get closer to those, the who and what's important to us.
1: So so it's kind of like then we, uh, we draw yeah, a
0: circle please, in the go middle. Yeah. yeah, circle in the middle. <laughs> yeah, and ask if we might have the opportunity to notice all of those things showing up to notice who or what's important showing up okay. or yucky stuff or the things we do for relief and the things we do for satisfaction. And then mm. there's. A big circle all the way around the whole thing and we ask the workability question which in acceptance and commitment training the truth criterion so the thing that we're, we're looking for is workability so is mm-hmm. what we're doing working to get us to whatever we're aiming for mm-hmm. um that's functional contextualism is it working in my environment are my right. behaviors working so functional contextualism workability creativity, problem solving, derived relational responding, all different questions Mm. um, or all different terms for workability. So we put a big circle around the outside. um, And people often forget that. They forget the noticing part in the middle. We got to come to the middle and notice that's the place to be in the matrix. And then the workability and I know people are listening, they can't see, but imagine a big circle around the whole thing. Yeah. And now we ask if everything that we're doing where we're spending our time is actually working to get us closer to whatever it is that we're aiming for. And we leave it at that because um, we can only answer that question when we're out doing things. Mm-hmm. It's the only time we get the opportunity to notice the consequences of our behavior,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether or not
0: our behavior is working.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mary. So the ask matrix is for promoting psychological flexibility. Right. And then the pro social matrix is for psychological safety.
1: Okay. And what's the difference?
0: So, psychological flexibility is about. Creativity—it's about problem-solving, resilience. It's about making contact with the present moment fully and on purpose, right. without judgment, without defense, and still doing the things that get us closer to whatever we're aiming for in the moment. So, mm. whether that's simply survival mm. or closer to who or what's important, or things like that. And psychological mm. safety means that everybody in a group—so whether it's a couple, two people, or a classroom, um, or the four of us here—or an organization, an executive room, the White House, whatever. Everybody feels safe and comfortable um, to learn, to contribute,
2: Mm. but
0: also to bring up opposition and to contradict what's being said without fear of being reprimanded or criticized or ostracized. So psychological Mm. safety is about everybody feeling safe, but it starts with psychological flexibility. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But where the, the ACT matrix The first quadrant is for who or what's important in the pro-social matrix. We start with a shared purpose. So that lower Mm. right quadrant is about what's our shared purpose? What brought us all together today? And then we move to the lower left and we talk about social yucky stuff. Mm. So when we're in couples or groups, there's social yucky stuff and then social relief and social satisfaction.
1: So is is there sort of a a question then? It sounds like you you can use this sort of for any kind of issue is there a sort of a, a question like Ma, like Monic like when you go into the group home is there a initial kind of question you're asking that make that helps you decide sort of how you're going to flow through those quadrants because it sounds like i i because i, I could have yucky feelings about ten thousand different things right now um and and we're not going to talk about all of them today when we do the matrix i mean you know i you know i i, I don't like you know, there's lots of things I don't like, but so, so how do you sort of guide guide it to be about whatever that purpose is? I suppose with the group home, is its is it let's talk about Bob? Is that sort of the idea or?
4: I through mm-hmm. trial and error, I use it the most. So. At first meeting at the intake where I'm just learning about the person, mm. uh, that's how I set up the context. So immediately I say, hey, are you guys okay? if I?" It always starts with the permission piece. Are you guys okay if I show you the point of view that I work from? Maybe ask you mm-hmm. some questions about Bob and write down what you say. And it's always a yes. Oh, yeah, of course. We're just so excited you're here.
1: Um,
4: <laughs> and then I won't necessarily, like, throughout my assessment when I'm actually going to the house, I won't bring it out. Because group home staff, they're busy. They're hustling and bustling around. They have a million things to do. Mm -hmm. Um, once I'm done my assessment and go into, uh, like assessment review, I'll bring it back out for program planning. So, Mm -hmm. Hey, you guys are familiar with this, do it again. And then at staff meetings, um, if it's a really cohesive staff and they have a shared purpose, they're in it to win it. They're just really supportive of the person. And they're just, you know, things are, 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 um, you know, everyone's collaborative for the most part. Um, I, I won't necessarily bring it out. It's mostly when, if we're at a staff meeting and there's an issue like, Hey guys, we have 85 new staff starting mm-hmm. in the next month. How are we going to keep them? What are we going to do to prevent burnout? How are we going to help the staff develop relationships with these three new, very challenging people or, mm-hmm. you know, people with challenging mm-hmm. behaviors, mm-hmm. Or behaviors of concern. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I'll bring it out. So it took a lot of trial and error because I used to bring it out. And show the staff uh, when I would go in just for an observation or follow-up, mm. and staff would not listen and because they're so busy. So I think just over the course of time, it's been really during staff meetings mm. and the intake um, mm. and discharge that I'll bring it up. and and uh, and I find when I go, like if i if I have a staff meeting and we do the matrix and you know, mm. develop some ideas, Within a couple of weeks, when I go in and do an observation, they're already implementing some of the stuff that they talked about. And I haven't even written up the plan yet. And Whoa. it's so cool to see
2: mm-hmm.
4: like, some of this stuff. Or they're excited to tell me about, oh my gosh, you have no idea, but I noticed worked, And they ha- like start using the lingo. And I'm like, I didn't even think you guys were listening. This is so cool. And it gives an opportunity to reinforce the staff because they're yeah. excited about something. And it's, you know, instead of that aversive, oh, here comes Monica, it becomes a, yes, Well. I won't go that far, but, you know, it's a, a more positive experience, maybe.
1: Well, no, and I think that's one of the biggest barriers is, is, is that, you know, as I said before, you know, behavior consultants, behavior analysts are not reinforcing to group home staff. And so it, it seems like you found a, a really great way, great way to be reinforcing without having to bring a box of Timbits bits every time uh, Canadian reference. Uh, so um, um,
0: it's a model for human behavior, it's, you know, that horizontal line is the function of behavior and over to the right we have um behaviors you know we talk about behaviors that we do with the intent to move closer to who or what's important or satisfy our shared purpose but they become behaviors maintained by access to positive reinforcement over to the left it's behaviors maintained by access um will escape from aversive or negative reinforcement. So in the lower right, we could consider that appetitive. In the lower left, we could consider that aversive. Mm-hmm, um,
2: mm-hmm. So
0: it's just a model for human behavior. And when you yeah. show it to people, and don't use those words, right? Um, but once you see it, you can't unsee it. So when people look at it, it's even if we're talking about a client, um, we're really just talking about you know good stuff, yucky stuff, and behaviors. And if yeah. the behaviors are working, and who are they working yeah. for, and
1: um, a lot of peace shows up, I've noticed. Yeah, I've, I've never heard uh, plans. like I've never heard yucky stuff being used in a in a, in an intake or an FBA. So I, I think that's great. <laughs> I think I think that the terminology yeah. is is really is really cool. Mary, you were talking about when we met before for kind of a little pre chat about uh, you had a really good story that I really liked um, about how because you're you're brand new to the school system. Um, uh, you've been working kind of group homes and stuff for a long time and you've recently kind of made the switch over, over to schools, which I get a lot of folks too, if only to have sort of, you know, a nice regular set of hours and, you know, be able to get home be with family. There's, there's some balance there. Not, it's not, I mean, if you're a teacher, you don't get a regular set of hours. I get that. But, uh, often, you know, as a, beh- as a behavior analyst or whatnot, there might be a little more, a little more structured. Hey, when's but...
0: the last time you got to go to the bathroom today? How many times did you get a bathroom break? <laughs> How many fair debriefing enough. did I had to do today? That's, that's yeah,
1: that's fair enough. Today. Fair enough. But yeah. you you oh, yeah. uh, you you had a, a, a nice anecdote about sort of using the matrix on on your on your very first day, and I love I'd love to hear that again.
3: Mm. I'm trying to think: was it the first day, or was it the, the one of the intakes? I know we talked about two, but yeah. my very first one was um, I was in a meeting, mm. so you know, like most of us, when we're we're just learning a new scale, you're not overly confident to use it right away so i, I hadn't done it i had mm. been you know meeting like i think by weekly if not more with Tina, kevin and phil and a few others and so i was learning i knew it i could do it on myself but i hadn't been actually in like i wasn't using it anywhere work-wise but i was in a meeting with a large group of group home staff and um, this was you know it was the follow-up um from an individual i supported who who had like significant challenging behaviors even to the point where i wasn't there's was a couple of times where i wasn't quite sure i was like i don't know you know what are we gonna do here but has is was doing well like it's mm. currently doing super super well mm. so you know unsafe behaviors all gone replaced with some um, typical teenage annoying behavior um but You know, one thing that was coming up in the meeting was a concern for you know, you know, a a behavior they were doing that you know was more to me like more stereotypical behavior, like maybe some hand flapping or stuff like that. But it was occurring in public, and it quite bothered a few of them, and they really wanted me to do something about it. And we were getting into a back and forth about like, you know, well, is it, you know, is it harmful? Is Is it affecting their day to day? You know, is anyone getting hurt? And all the answers were no, but, you know, some staff were stuck. They were stuck on, you know, it being a concern and we must fix it because, you know, it wasn't the typical wasn't appropriate. And I found myself getting into a bit of a back and forth. Like it, it was like, you know, I would try to, you know, redirect it to like, oh, you know, it's not dangerous and, and think about like how much we've come along and et cetera. And it, I wasn't getting anywhere. And I I felt it within myself that frustration and that yucky stuff like just like it was like filling up my pot. Um and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna try this. And I asked them, hey, you know, do you mind if I show you my point of view? And this is a team that I've worked with for years. Hmm. And so I was at first like a little bit, oh, I don't know if this is gonna work. And so I pulled it up on the Zoom whiteboard hmm. and I walked them through the matrix and we, you know, I showed them the Me Loop but so the app matrix and then you know, I brought out the pro social matrix and I asked, we started writing down our shared purpose. And it was funny because, you know, in Zoom calls, not everyone puts on their camera. And, and and suddenly those who didn't have their cameras on turned them off. And the ones who never spoke up, spoke up. And they wow. started listing this great list of things they that they felt was important with this individual and then we started writing up the, the social yucky stuff, like what's getting in the way? And suddenly mm-hmm. people were like, well, people don't follow the plan or, you know, everybody reacts differently. And, and, you know, I think this is important. So we sort of sorted it out and, you know, filled up all those quadrants and, um, people started to, there was no more like, we must do this. We must do that. There was more of this, like, like group agreements from head nods and, you know, and, etc cetera, etc cetera. and and you know when we were filling out that satisfaction box that is said you know what things are we doing or could we do do you think or perhaps to get us closer to our shared purpose and we wrote out a list of things we could do to support the individual with this concern of theirs and you know i was like do you do you think we might have the opportunity to notice you know these things and to perhaps you know, try or continue to do some of these things and determine whether or not it's working. And they were in agreement. And so um, they printed it out and they put it up on their wall. And so they, I said, you know, put it up, add more, more comes up, cross out ones that are no longer relevant, and let's see what we can do from there. And um, I haven't heard a thing about any concern about this behavior ever again.
1: That's pretty reinforcing if the first time you try it to have, that big of impact yeah. on, a t- on a on a team like that i mean mm-hmm. that's got that had been a pretty powerful experience for you
3: it was i actually i remember getting off the call and being like doo, 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 you know like <laughs> that was easy and that just made everything so yeah. so easy for me because that's the thing is you're working in these group homes and you have all these different personalities
2: mm-hmm. and all these
3: different thoughts and everyone has different experiences and a lot of it's based on fear and when we're fearful We make, you know, we do whatever we can to make that fear go away. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's to hide it because we don't want to appear fearful. And sometimes we do things to make it, you know, better that isn't hidden. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't, doesn't lead us in the direction we really want to go.
1: Really cool. I know we don't have a ton of time. So I I want to talk a little bit now about sort of the myriad of ways one can learn about the act matrix because it seems to be a lot of opportunities out there. there's everything from you know uh, uh for folks that listen before uh, the 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 crowdcasts that, that that uh you know monica was doing and of course tina and mary are, are now also doing crowdcasts as well and so crowdcast seems to be a really uh good sort of uh um, medium for sort of presenting kind of you know visuals in, in that sort of way which is really really cool um Question one is a couple of questions. So one, and Mary, you'll be able to relate this to to this maybe more than more than others, maybe Monica too. But um, the you know behavior analysis isn't regulated in Canada sort of anywhere. Uh, Ontario is getting closer, but so far it, it hasn't really happened. And so you know, and anyone can be a behavior consultant, um, you know, with, with, you know, any, any level of training, Uh, you know, you don't even need a high school diploma and you can start going in and collecting funds from, from the government to kind of do those sorts of things. And so, but we often hear in the field sort of, you know, everything comes from the U S you know, everything comes from sort of that perspective of, 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 you know, you gotta have your BCBA and you gotta have your master's degree and you gotta have all this level of training, which I'm not sort of dismissing and suggesting that, you know um, that that folks with a a two day workshop and 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 a six month community college program should go out and start uh, designing designing behavior plans. But is all of this required to do to use the matrix, or can folks you know be you know anybody um, and and kind of come out and, and kind of start doing some of that training and get that experience? Yes,
0: yeah. uh, my four-year well, she's now five. Yeah. Uh, my four-year-old can take you through the matrix and I have caught her doing it at a birthday party on a magna doodle oh
2: my gosh that's
0: awesome Um, there's a script I will send you the script yeah and script makes it sound like a protocol it's not a protocol at all it's a process it's flexible but um the hardest part is just sticking to it and writing down what people say where they say it but because of how it's created as a bi-directional process, the outcome is psychological flexibility. That's the intended outcome mm-hmm. of that is psychological flexibility. Yeah. And so when you are showing the matrix to people, you are promoting your own psychological flexibility. And I, I would say, you know, I don't like to tell people what to do often. But if your aim is to go out and promote other people's psychological flexibility, then you probably better should start with your own.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think obviously, obviously training and learning how to do it's important. You don't just want to sort of, you know, print the matrix off, a uh, off, 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 uh, you know, a Google form and start going out on, on your own and try to figure it out. It, it's good to get a bit of education. But it, it, it seems agreeable that one does not need to, you know, have master's level training in order to sort of implement the matrix. Um, and so so that's cool, um, and 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 do folks generally agree with that? Like, are folks not concerned with sort of folks operating outside of their scope or whatever? Because you know, maybe an undergrad or 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 a psych student or you know just anyone, you know, a uh, social worker, whoever is using the act matrix, um, that seems to be cool. Like, there's not going to be like an ethics violation or, or a code writing or that sort of thing happening because you're using something that's you know, and you and you're not supposed to be or whatever.
0: No, Kevin created it and then gave it away for
1: free. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And Kevin, Kevin is—is is Kevin actually a be, a behavior analyst himself? Or? No,
0: Kevin's a clinical psychologist.
1: Oh, so there you go. So it wasn't even it wasn't even originally created by by us folks that are they're sort of caught in our own world. Um, so that's cool. So in terms of sort of then learning the Matrix, what sort of you know you and I I I understand there's you know there's a bit of. Uh, a bit of a conflict of interest when I ask these questions, uh, it, because I know you guys all offer training um, uh, and 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 continuing education in this area. But for someone who is brand new to this concept of the matrix and wants to start applying it, um, what's the best place to start?
0: So I will say uh, there is a URL called Teach Me RFT. Okay. Teach me RFE for relational frame yeah. theory. Yeah. And that is Kevin and Phil doing okay. um, a very accessible overview from functional contextualism, ABA, acceptance and commitment training. And it really answers questions um, mm-hmm. about where did it come from? How does this match up with ABA? And like, when should you be attempting to implement psychological flexibility as the skill? I mean, we don't always mm-hmm. do that right? I'm not going to promote psychological flexibility when teaching somebody to cross the street. Like no derived relational responding allowed, period. That's right. <laughs> There's only, right? Like I will tell you to stop. Yeah. Um, so if we just think of like a continuum of instruction where we have, you know, direct discrete trial training all the way to promoting derived relational responding which is psychological flexibility, it depends on the context. So that teach me RFT and that is um, the matrix talk podcast channel where there's over 300 mm. hours mm. of free wow. workshops of Kevin, Phil, Monica's on there, Mary's on there, I'm on there, um, showing the matrix in all different contexts. But it is free. Um, there's tons of different topics and it always yeah. starts with loops. And typically Mondays are beginnings that we talk about know just the two loops promoting psychological flexibility. Wednesdays are an intermediate act type thing. And then Fridays are advanced functional contextualism relational frame theory stuff. There's some paid stuff we have um patrons, but hmm. a
1: lot of free so really finance finances do not have to be a barrier for anyone nope. um to, no. to sort of get yeah. some competency and- in this. Now all y'all are are the certified act we matrix what are you
0: we are certified facilitators with the act matrix which is an important distinction because there's no official certification in act and right. um so it's not an act certification it's uh actually there was a lawyer named ron pizzo who monica has met because he's up there in um nova scotia mm-hmm. halifax right or you're in halifax his run. Yep. so anyways He's a lawyer who does a lot of mediation stuff. And he was learning the matrix and working with Kevin and said, Hey, could you give me some kind of like credential? Kevin (laughs) was like, Sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, once one person has a certification, other people want it. And so um, they just started offering through the Act and Matrix Academy a certified facilitator of the act and pro social.
1: Mean. And that's what that's what you recently got, Mary. Is that right? What I, what what I saw, or yeah. is it, yeah okay? Yeah. Yeah. And so, what does that mean? what the, What does it mean to sort of attain that? What, what what have you achieved by attaining that title? Um Not much, because Phil just made it up. Um, Practice,
0: right. Practice. Yeah, I right. I mean, and again, it's it's uh it it's a performance based certification. So mm. we have masterminds three or four days a week. I think we're three days a week now. Um. Show up, and you know it's like if you want to learn the ACT Matrix, I would suggest that you go to the person who created it. Um, and mm. Kevin is available three days a week on Crowdcast, three that's days a week on Zoom. Um, it's afford, you know, it's ridiculously affordable. For mm. a while, I was the only one who showed up with the two of them, and I was mm. sure that they were going to stop showing up. But that's what mm. they do. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's you just they you show them you show them your um, process. And they'll give you feedback on if it's not judgmental or judgmental. Hmm. And then and I love showing on. up when it's just them. Yeah. They What's are that? like the things you learn, uh, they are yeah. Best parts of my day. I have spent every day since April 2020. Um, at least one hour with them. And then I joined them working with them in October of 2020. Hmm. So we are constantly creating stuff. We have we have new books since the last time we talked, Ben. We just published the Verbal Aikido and RFD book on Amazon, and a brand new Coaching with Individuals workbook on Amazon. So we're just creating stuff.
1: And is all that stuff, you know, grounded in the matrix? Is that what? It is? is it all matrix stuff? Or yeah, yes. right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Um. And so you said it's it's it like reasonable like so so what would that could that cost somebody to kind of week to week participate in that approximately forty seven
0: dollars a month for a once a week meeting yeah um and then it goes up to like you know
1: the second secret word is crowd one
0: hundred dollars a month for twice a week and then maybe one fifty for three times a week
2: right right um, good good so
0: that's it and then the certification cost i think is around $1100 and that can be mm. split up how you know you could do it $47 a month and it would take a lot of months mm. um or you can split it up over 6 months 12 months
1: whatever gotcha. it's so a
0: flexible
1: yeah. psychological <laughs> flexibility with a flexible training <laughs> schedule yeah that, that that's amazing they
4: practice what they preach what are you gonna say yeah
1: yes.
2: yeah
1: 100%. <laughs> yeah and i really love sort of the an early point you made about sort of the the, the lack of jargon i mean i think that is as is, is one of the biggest uh sort of um 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 what i'm looking for complaints or whatever about our field is it the use of accessible. jargon yeah and and the idea that you know you know because I remember early on being taught, you know, well, try to pair the jargon with the non-jargon so that you know, so folks will learn some of those terms, and that this was what I was mentored to do. Because we really want them to learn about stimulus mm-hmm. control and those sorts of things, and and be able to use that language. And I never really understood why uh, beyond, you know, we want beyond we, you know, it, you know, we think we're great, and therefore, you know, exclusivity. Yeah, yeah, you know, therefore you should do it, and so. Has there been? I mean, I haven't seen much of it, but have, has there been kind of pushback at all from sort of, you know, the traditional sort of behavior analyst sort of circles towards kind of having something like this that, you know, is essentially, you know, the wild, uh, in a way, kind of the wild west, because anyone could do it and anyone could jump in and anyone can sort of take training and mm-hmm. just start applying this stuff, which, you know, I I, I would think might make some. You know, staunch traditionalist behavior analysts kind of nervous that oh that that means that you know they'll generalize and mean that's going to make, cause a whole lot of other problems. Have you seen any of that? Or I mean, I haven't, but I'm not really in those circles.
3: I had a little, but yeah. mostly it's been more of like almost kind of like a mimicking the word the use of yucky. Like they're like oh the yucky stuff, right? And but in those situations, I mean, yeah. it used to bug me at first, and I'm maybe like yeah. oh my god, like. We're so rigid, but now I, I use it so much that even like, I'm finding that the people I'm around or supporting are using it and we're using it like, as in like, Hey, that was like super yucky and uncomfortable. Right. And so it, it's kind of just, it's new. It's a, it it can be new for some, especially if you're used to saying things, Mm -hmm. you know, like challenging behavior or, or aversives and, and, and stuff like that. And, and instead we're like, Oh, you know, relief behavior and that yucky stuff. Like it, it just, it's, it's just getting essentially desensitized to different yeah. words that mean the same thing. We're mm-hmm. sorting, we're sorting out, you know, some stuff, some like that private events and the, mm-hmm. you know, our behavior on a piece of paper and it works.
1: I mean, I, I imagine one of the nice things about the matrix is, is even if there is sort of pushback or complaints or whatever, you folks can just take the matrix and 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 get yourself all in and get
2: yourself all would, and chill about you it, all, that? you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where, where did you, did you put the on
1: your I, I see this is yep. bothering you, so let's let yeah. let's let's do a matrix and talk about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So it.
0: you think I'm not using terms that are technical enough? And where might you put technical terms up here on your diagram? Right, oh, it becomes awesome. a like, and that's the verbal yeah. keto
2: part. Yeah. Is the yeah, yeah. I'm going to
0: take your words because they're. Oh, and I'm going to invite you to sort
1: them out and notice your relationship. That I love. I love that.
0: While I invite you, I'm also going to sort mine out, right?
3: I'm going
1: to model that, right? Yeah. Like keto, I love that. The idea of sort of because that's something, you know, certainly again in the group home context, we often come up against is 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 sort of that you know that violent pushback, and to be able to sort of just suddenly go, huh. Let's put that here and, and carry on the conversation. Yeah. Is that something
0: you'd prefer to approach or avoid? It's yeah.
1: just amazing. Yeah. And when, and when
0: you did that, I wonder, did you notice mm-hmm. relief or satisfaction? Yeah, huh. yeah, so,
2: yeah. You
0: know, you know uh, with
3: with the group homes so because I'm still supporting group homes, but I got yeah. asked to do like a four-series behavior support training for an entire agency. Yeah. And so I just did the first one. And, you know, they were thinking, oh, okay, they're going to tell us, well, positive reinforcement and what are consequences and all that I did a four hour training all matrix as my first training
2: Mm.
3: because I'm like you know that's that's how we're just like opening everything up or flexing everybody up before we we do any Mm. other training I'll get I could throw in some technical terms later if I felt it was necessary but four hours of matrix first and then we'll go into session two and we'll talk about how that fits into those antecedents and Mm -hmm. you know you know what our behavior and their behavior and how you know we kind of influence each other you could tie it into anything i've tied it into cpi the you know, non-violent crisis intervention because you know they talk a lot about integrated experience yes and well it all ties in together it ties in together with antecedents and behavior and consequence and it ties in together in using the matrix and sorting out uh you know our own our own responses in, 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 in
0: comparison to the persons we're supporting.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. And, and I and know it's a really
0: peaceful, uh, like crisis debriefing tool as well mm. um, that prevents exposing people to more of yeah. that aversive event than they mm. would like to be exposed to. That's uh, cool. I do I, every,
3: every, every, every debrief I'm doing, I'm using a matrix. And if it's a top one, I'm, perhaps I might just say, you know what's working with, what, what versus yeah. what's not working in this situation, and and, and sorting out individual debriefing sessions. But mm. you know, some of us are working with some really difficult behavior, and and we don't necessarily spend enough time debriefing and sorting things out with the persons who yeah. perhaps are on the receiving end of some pretty intense headbutts.
1: Right. Mm. I, uh, I I love all this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool one thing i was kind of wondering about was um uh the two things i'm wondering about and they're kind of separate the first one is particularly in in in, in well it's not different group problems kind of in any of these contexts often we're also trying to sort of empower teams or families or whatever to be able to do this stuff on their own so is there a component or a, a piece where you're actually teaching these folks to do the, do this stuff themselves
0: Mm -hmm. I've written it in as the non-contingent detention protocol Mm. Um, and then also the teaching tool for social emotional um, problem solving whatever and then also the debrief after an escalation so I've written it into plans that way
1: and so these teams are then going through the matrix themselves with their with their coworkers yeah. without you being there.
0: Yeah, and with yeah. the clients.
1: Yeah. Oh. and and how does that go? Like, does that, does that like? I, there's probably a little bit of BSD in there to sort of make sure they're, you know, kind of getting it right. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, and, and and do you find, they're they 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 some of them are all right at it. I mean, I see some nonverbals here that folks will build here in the in the audio, but. Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's there's no it's it's not like it has to be perfect right it's a process um you know and it's them them they're driving the boat versus us coming in and saying i need you to do this here's the behavior support plan and here are the contingencies and you must reinforce immediately after response and and if you don't, you know, I gave you my recommendations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we we know that, it, it, you know, extrinsic motivation doesn't work on ourselves. So what are we doing going in and trying to change behavior using the same sort of yeah. method, right?
2: Yeah.
3: When even if people, you know, they do the matrix, we do it with them, we work through it, we sort out some behaviors, they might not, the next time you see them, they might not have been, you know, that might not have been the first thing mm. on their mind because they're, you know, mm. they're in it, right? Especially when it's their child or someone close to them. You got the emotional piece, mm. um, but they will come to you with something, and and it's that opportunity where you can draw them back to the matrix. You know, like so, I've done the matrix with with parents, and you go back and the, and you ask them like, hey, you know, what have you noticed since the last time we met? And and you know, mm. I had a parent once say like, you know. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I didn't have time to do that paper, that thing that you left me, but you know what happened? And then, you know, they start venting the most recent traumatic event they've had to experience in their home. Mm. And I will just, you know, pull out a piece of paper and say, like, Hey, you know, are you okay if we sort this out and let's write it down together? And, um, they're always willing to let you do that in, in my, in my experience
1: i I like this intrinsic motivation thing too because you know and it, it makes me think about a bit about you know I'm tangenting here to kind of the problem with aba and aba reform and you know, ABA's abuse and all that kind of stuff and and one of the biggest um sort of criticisms that we get as a field is our reliance on 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 these external rewards you know on, on these external sort of you know contrived reinforcers or whatever um um and uh, in fact i was just i was i just read a a linkedin post Uh, it was a Uh, an autistic advocate who was posting about this piece and 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 some and someone was coming on and asking well you know is aba still dependent on external reinforcers and a couple bcbas came on one yes yes we are that's all that we have to use those that's the way things go and so this seems like a really nice sort of um um you know uh uh tool to sort of you know, maybe help shape up some of that, those discussions as well, because uh, the the idea that you can start with internal, internal, natural reinforcement right away with this process is not, is something kind of unheard of in our field.
0: I would say unheard of in some programs, because my program was heavily emphasized moving as quickly as possible to Hmm. natural, social, intrinsic, all of that and only but mine was not a very autism heavy program at all.
1: But um, and, and it's moving too. So, whereas this is there's no moving to. Yeah. You're already there.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um which I think is because
0: we're really all born important. with intrinsic motivation, right? Yep. Like nobody yep. nobody has to um yes. externally reinforce walking behavior in children, typically right. developing children, right? Yep. And we just we, we don't ever correct them for anything. No. We don't say like, oh dummy. You better yeah. put the right foot, you know, nobody does yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so we're born with it and we can really do a a good job of suppressing it as yeah. humans. <laughs> so generalization is uh, a big thing mm. that we mm. should be moving towards. And um, that, you know, drive relational responding. I mean, yeah. generalization at its finest top tier, um, responding to one yeah. thing, based on its relation to another without direct instruction. That's generally yeah, yeah. so, okay.
4: I think one thing for for like my own development for next steps is because I I don't only consult in group homes, but also family homes.
2: Mm.
4: You know, the parents who are 74 years old and they're still caring for their 46 year old mm. adult children and um I get referred by the psychiatrist for some challenging behaviors. I think my next step is Working, using the matrix to work with the families in terms of figuring out what's important to them and helping them notice different things.
2: Mm.
4: At that age, behavior change and my role or my traditional role in coming in and consulting and helping some of these behaviors go down. That's not where I'm necessarily needed and helping the family Mm. kind of navigate what they do need.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not
4: up to me to tell them. But you know, helping. I think I'd I'd like to go into into that a little bit for those family referrals, because um, it's a different ball game when you're when you're uh, consulting with older <laughs> caregivers who are tired and burnt out and have their own health conditions and and
3: concerns
2: yeah absolutely
3: we get stuck there i find where we go in and we're like okay who's the primary client, or who's the primary Mm -hmm. person we're there for and we forget the role that the caregivers play Mm -hmm. and 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 their lives and their families and 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 other caregivers or schools you know and sometimes we're, we're supporting large teams and if we try we we have to actually behavior change involves everybody not Mm -hmm. just you know the one individual unless we're going to sit down and work with them ourselves and Mm -hmm. typically especially in like adult services and and schools you know i have i'm i'm helping supporting big teams here who are who are supporting some you know big students with some big behaviors Mm -hmm. and you know sure i can sit down with the student and i might be able to do some one-on-one stuff but they need something that also helps guide their own behavior and, mm. and by helping people recognize and notice, you know, the things that are important to them. Like notice that safety is important to them. And when mm. things happen, fear shows up and then I run, right? And we get stuck on like just as in human beings with trying to make the yucky stuff go away. Right. We go to the doctor, we ask we're anxious, we ask for medication. We're not asking for medication so that it just lessens it. We're asking for medication to make it go away because as a, as a group of humans, we just want that yucky stuff to go away. And so we're always focusing on make it go away. So it never ever shows up again. And that's not the case. There will always be yucky stuff in our, in our heads because that's our learned history Mm. right there. We've been taught all those words over, you know, time from birth to your current, present, we're learning different things, and we're all experiencing yucky stuff and my yucky is gonna be different from your yucky and it's gonna be different from the student with aggressive behavior
1: What well, I have one more question because I know Tina's office is about to about to about to be Lockering. imploded by the, <laughs> the custodians um, uh, and and it's around i'm, I'm curious about research. Uh, I haven't seen is is I know there's lots of research on 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 uh, on act and RFT and all those sorts of things is is it, it well two-part question is there actually research on the matrix a uh, number one and two if not is that because basically the matrix is just taking all the concepts from act which all have the research behind it so uh, any ideas because i haven't seen research on it there
4: was somebody okay. that i saw at ABAI last year mm. and part of her i have a ton of cards like like business cards yes. maybe, yeah. and I can't for the life of <laughs> me remember which person it was, yeah. but I can get that name to you after. Yeah. But there was a woman that I saw and I know she was doing a workshop. Yeah. She used the matrix as part of, um, as part of her research. Like I, I completely forget what she uh, was looking at, right. but she used the matrix as like the, the first part of, and then she went into like of the verbal, um, Functional analysis, like functional analysis, of verbal behavior, and stuff yeah. like that. So it was really cool. So I can get that name. Mm. So there, I think it is developing. Um, it was so interesting to hear her mm. talk and and learn more about how she did it. Anyway, I wasn't able to attend her seminar, like mm. her workshop, only the little fifty-minute presentation she gave. But yeah, I was. I was. Tina, um, do you
1: know? Is there is there is there a specific kind of research on the matrix, or is it more just uh, you know a way of applying? the already done research on sort of ACT concepts in another way?
0: There are, you know, if you're looking for like research articles, um, Mm -hmm. a few using the ACT matrix, they're Mm -hmm. out there. But it's also a tool that pulls together all of the other things that we already have research for. So it's, you know, an applied process. Um, Sort of wondering about that sort
1: of evidence-based practice kind of piece, I guess.
0: Yeah, so that's the, you know, the cool thing about being in an applied science is we get to take this research that that person did and this research that that person did and go. Hmm, I wonder what might happen if I applied this. Right, and it's a visual. So yes, we have evidence for visuals mm. are effective at promoting skill acquisition. Um, it is a functional contextual point of view. So it mm. has um, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, all of those yeah. principles. It's a sorting activity. Um, And sorting is a way to bring order to complex problems. So, uh, but there are some articles I can send you. Um, Kevin, there was one recently using it um, in athletics. I think hockey or tennis. I think
1: it would just be interesting to see like a study like, um, uh, and maybe, maybe Mary, maybe Mary or Monica will do this one day, Um, uh, like like the mindfulness based PBS articles that uh, Nervé Singh did, where he basically took the PBS process in, a, in an RCT and then compared it to a PBS process plus mindfulness and found all these gangs. It would be interesting to see a PBS process and then a PBS process with the Matrix and sort of compare that. I think that'd be a neat study for someone to do one day.
3: I would like to look at the social validity piece of, you know, using the matrix for um, mm. behavior change versus, yes. you know, um, straight up, you know, contingencies, you know, yes. like that intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation, where were we going to see yes. the behavior change? It, what are we going to see fastest? Yeah.
2: Where are we going to
3: get that, you know, so-called buy-in, yeah. which yeah. if you do the matrix, you don't need buy-in.
2: yeah
3: um, That's where I... Curious about is like really you know, yeah. just you know asking parents yeah. and caregivers what they think
0: at contextualscience.org which is the association for contextual behavior science yep. they have a page of all randomized controlled trial studies from 1986 to present yes. um so if you search matrix on there you can find Probably pick some, up of some stuff there cool
1: cool yeah. i just if know some I people will ask was, that question
0: yeah i have a phone call tomorrow with a graduate student who wants to use the matrix in a bst model to teach behavior bcbas to teach rbts and notice if it neat. promotes psychological flexibility
2: neat, um, really neat. It,
0: on on the the act private events mentalism things like that what i will always defer to is that skinner simply said that the behavior of study should be observable behavior mm-hmm. what we should be studying is the observable behaviors right which is the target behavior for change, which makes sense with acceptance. We don't need to measure private events Mm. because we aren't attempting to change private events.
1: Right. So they don't need
0: to be measured.
1: Yes. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. Cool. Well, I don't, I don't want, I don't want uh, you to get trapped in there. So sort of any, any, any last, uh, Any last thoughts to share with the folks before we go? This was really cool. I I love being able to chat with a few people at once. I'll have to do this more often.
0: Get out and do stuff. Get out out and do stuff. Mm -hmm. Nice. Show up, do stuff, notice the consequences of your behaviors. Yeah. Notice the workability. Right on. Or not. But the world is run by people who show up and do stuff.
1: Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I love that.
1: Well, thanks, you three. This was a cool idea. Mary kind of contacted me and, and thought about bringing you all together. I thought it was super awesome. And, uh, and I'm really glad you all did. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I look forward to doing it again sometime.
4: Well, thanks so much oh. for having us, Ben. This was great.
1: Awesome. Yeah,
0: Thank you. Monica, right. thanks for staying up so late.
1: Yes, Monica. That's right. Oh, my gosh. quarter <laughs> to ten. Holy.
0: I hope you get some rest before tomorrow's
1: That's right.
0: boot camp session.
1: Goodness me. All right. Okay. <laughs>
4: Bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody.
1: The third secret word is towards.